Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 11. Today, I will be interviewing Susan Love, Philadelphia teacher and children's book author. When Susan Love was new to teaching, she was a little depressed by her classroom. The kids were uninspired and the parents seemed uninterested. She was sure the year would be a failure. When she took a trip to the Caribbean, it helped guide her to feel refreshed and helped her decide to turn the classroom into an island of learning. This encouraged her students, many of whom had island backgrounds, to write stories. To her surprise, the children wrote island stories about her, and suddenly she decided to create her own Miss Love Island story, incorporating the kids' creative ideas and wanting to share with the rest of the world. In her book, Miss Love's Mystical Island Adventure, Sabrina, Arthur, and Lucy find themselves on a secluded island where they solve mysteries to save a magical orchid that shields the earth, repairing its ozone layer. As a hurricane approaches, it threatens to destroy the bloom. The children of Miss Love race against time to discover clues to find and fix the sacred crystal, the island's power source. So I just encourage everybody, I just want to, I don't want to forget to mention to go to Susan's website at MissLovesMysticalIsland.com, which has tons of information. I, I've been on there at least three or four times and you have so many videos and so many interesting, so much interesting information, not only about Susan, but also about, about the illustrator and her story behind writing this book. So welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for having me, Becca. Good morning. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is I wanted to know about your career as a teacher and the story behind the creation of your book, Miss Love's Mystical Island Adventure. Well, you pretty much summarized it pretty well in your introduction when you spoke about my students not being too interested in learning. I started out in North Philadelphia, a high crime neighborhood, drug infested, children just feeling like there's no hope. I could really feel as though I felt their energy and it was like they felt trapped. They just couldn't see a horizon behind beyond their neighborhood. And that makes it very challenging for a teacher to show them a bigger world when you feel like you're trapped in a bubble. And I could relate to it in a lot of ways. I felt like I was trapped in a bubble as a foster child growing up. You just don't feel like you can get out. So I had to find ways to go beyond the tools the district was giving me, which was limited. The district didn't offer me much back then. This is going back several years. And even the teaching materials were limited. And we were expected to get them all excited about learning, bring them to reading level, meet all the expectations the district had with minimal resources in front of us. And then on top of it, the environment they were living in was not inspiring for them. And, and, and then in addition to that, some of their parents, some parents, completely uninvolved in their lives. So it was pretty much, like you use the word, a, a failure. 
a recipe for failure. And a teacher has two choices at that point. You either quit your job or move on to something that you feel you will be successful at, or you have to find another way to be successful. And truthfully, I could not find answers in the school. All you get is do your best. And your best is just leading you to failure. So I chose to just take a trip, go away, and get some perspective from someone on the outside. Sometimes an objective person who has been successful in their life can offer you advice and offer you encouragement. So I chose to go away, and I went down to the Caribbeans for a while to get myself removed. And at that point, I had to make the decision, am I going back to the school? Am I going back to teaching, or am I moving on? And that's when I met the entrepreneur that I had met. And believe you me, I laminated for hours about my frustrations in the American school system. And I think that it really turned for me when she said to me, you know, you escape this every day. You, you go away from that school and the children don't have that. So perhaps you need to create an escape for them. Create the escape for them to remove themselves from the crime from the drugs, from the fear that they live in every day. And that made me stop and think, well, how do I do that? And that's when I came up with the concept of taking them to a place. And I looked around me when she said that, and I thought, well, wow, wouldn't it be great if they could come here? And that thought led to, okay, how can I take a place, create an environment that will connect with their cultures? And a lot of my children are Hispanic. They came from Puerto Rico. And I thought, well, Let's try a place like that where they're going to feel good about themselves, a place that connects them with their heritage. So I turned the classroom into a paradise. It is just absolutely beautiful. I'm sure you saw it on the website. You saw some pictures from the classroom. Mm -hmm. So that became Miss Love's Island of Learning. And when they came to school that fall, it was unbelievable the way they reacted to that. And I think it, it just made them feel good. Not because it was a beautiful place, but because they identified with it and it made them feel good about themselves. And I think that's where the learning starts. They were feeling bad about themselves. They, they felt put down a lot because they were from North Philadelphia. They felt bad about themselves because their test scores were low. So they're feeling labeled and not expected to achieve by the surrounding schools and other parts of the city that were doing well. The media does a good job of putting down the schools that don't do well. So it was a turning point for them because it was a place that they were coming to that reminded them of where they came from and they felt good about that. So with that place inspiring them to feel a certain way, that's when I was able to say, well, you know, listen, you know, you are capable. When you come to this classroom, you're going to identify with who you are, where you come from. And now with an education that I can give you where you can go within your culture. You know, it's fine to be Hispanic. There's nothing wrong with that. You you should be proud of who you are and where you come from. But with the education, you need that for you to grow within your own culture. So once I had them on board with that, they were ecstatic. And the year took off like nothing like I've ever seen before. Nothing like I've ever seen before. Open house, I had more parents than than I than I had ever had in all the years. Administration was very supportive. And all the children wanted to do was come to the classroom and read all the books that I had, all the books that I had from all the different islands. And then 
when we would get to the writing workshop, they would write about the stories that they had read. When they got to the inventive writing part of the lessons, they would start making up their own stories, their own island stories. And they always had me as a character. And they started writing these Miss Love Island stories, Miss Love's Paradise. And I didn't mind it so much. I don't like people talking. I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like to be some superstar. I I didn't care for that. But what I did like about their stories was that I was always a humble character. And that was so important to me. They would write stories about how I was lonely and how I made friends. They would write stories about how I started out with nothing and then how I, I built up the island and made it into something that... That was important. That was okay with me as long as I played a humble role in their stories. And their stories had such magical ideas. They had this magical geode going on. It was an amazing concept. By the end of the year, I had a collection of these, these island stories they wrote. And I thought that they were definitely worth taking a closer look at and developing a plot of my own because I certainly did not want to take their, their plots. That's not fair. But I would take their conceptual ideas and rework them into something that could be published on another level. Now, the characters in the book, I actually developed them from the characters in my classroom, their personalities. And that worked out really well. And some of the children were foster children. And that was important to me because I felt like a failure growing up. Foster children do feel like failures. It's as simple as that. There's no other way to put it. They feel like failures. And it's, it's, it's a tragedy because they're not. So the children, some of the, I had four of them. I had four children in my classroom who were foster children. And they, they wouldn't stop writing. And just like me as a foster child, I wouldn't stop writing. That's how I developed my love for writing. I, I would always write a happy story when I felt sad. So these, these four particular children... I developed their characters. I changed their names, of course, to protect their identities. And, but I used their personalities in the story. That, that little brainy one, the artist, then the other little girl, Lucy, who had this, in, this gift of intuition, they all, they all came from the children in the classroom. And then their ideas, these different, I, like, my, like my little Lucy, uh, I changed her name, of course. I changed her name to Lucy. She would always write about these cave drawings in her books. She just, she just loved that. And it came from her, her Indian heritage. Her father was Indian, always had drawings going on. Well, as you, as you saw my book and you get on the website, that whole scene in the cave with that hieroglyphic drawing just worked out like an unbelievable magic. I just can't believe it's just so incredible that a little eight-year-old is drawing these little pictures in her little cave, in her book, and then to see it come live in this level has just absolutely blown me away. It is, it's just, I'm just so grateful for it. And it just goes to show you, you have to put the time and energy into your teaching as an inner city teacher, or you will get absolutely nothing. You have to go beyond what the district asks you to do. And you have to find ways to personally connect with the students. That's the only way it's going to happen. So to answer your question, that's how it all started. And that's where it all ended. And I'm just, I'm just absolutely elated by it. Yeah, that's just, that's fantastic. I mean, I can't agree more because like we were talking before, you know, I used to work in, well, I've been working in schools for 20 years and I used to work in inner city schools and definitely with your comment about going, going above and beyond. I mean, 
I continue to go above and beyond because I just feel like it's there's so many different ways to connect with the kids. Um, and I just love your story about thinking outside the box and connecting with the students in a different way. And one of the things, one of the other questions I had, so you're saying the kids were eight years old. So that was what they were in second grade. Is that what you're teaching? Yes. Yes. Okay. So what did you do? I'm just curious about the kids who had trouble writing. So I know that there were kids that were able to sit and write the stories, but how about the other children who were a little bit more delayed and they had trouble with the say sentence structure or creating a story? Was it that they were more creating pictures or they were expressing their ideas verbally? So I'm just curious as a teacher, what, how did you get those thoughts out from those children who had delays? Well, that all comes down to small group instruction. And when I would meet with them at say guided reading and guided writing, I would really pull on their oral skills and ask them a lot of questions. And then I would show them how to framework their writing through the writing frameworks that I had. So if they gave me an idea and they had a thought, I would write the thought down on the web for them. And then we would work together to build the sentence and build the thoughts. So it was a slower process for them, but they did get there. And with the graphic organizers, right? Is that what you're talking about? Like using a graphic organizer? Absolutely. To get their thoughts out? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and you have to find ways that do not intimidate them. A, A lot of times teachers will use teacher talk and a lot of times they, they're just too formal with their approach with children. And I have found that to be majorly ineffective. It shuts them down. So you have to start a conversation with them. Uh, for example, uh, you know, in the classroom that we had, we had it was, it was a tropical setting, like I said, I had a little aquarium. And, you know, they would come over, sit by the reading center and we'd sit down and we we start off with this. I would turn on the lights of the aquarium and we would talk about, oh, what do you see and what's going on? And, you know, they would start talking and I would write down for them what they said and take a look at here's your language. What did you say to me? You know, so I would start with them. And a lot of times the teachers make the mistakes. They start with themselves. I'm here to teach you this and this is what you need to know. And here's why you need to know it. Da, 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 da. That is just not the way to go with children who are delayed. You have to find a way to pull from them. Are you following what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, because, I mean, I work with so many different types of children with all different delays and disorders. And I I agree. I mean, when I'm working with kids, I'm just I'm connecting with them one on one and I'm going into their worlds. But um, and not into my world. It's about me connecting into their world. So um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, that kind of brings me to the idea of the bridge book, because I think what what's different about your book is that it's a lot more visual than let's just say like sort of like a normal chapter book where you don't have as many pictures. So can you just talk about that a little bit? Well, yes. And and you mentioned children who 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 may have, you know, some issues. So I did keep that in mind as I created this book. But one of the things that inspired me to go to the level that I did was, and I'm sure you remember when we were younger coming through growing up, do you remember those bigger books, say eight by 11, they were chapter books 
say when the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Uh-huh. Yeah, those, those bigger books that were chapter books. And they were pretty much centered around the classical stories at the time. Yeah. I just love those works. I love those works. And I thought to myself, and also because I'm an artist, I love to see things in full color. I would love to tell my story from the, from the classical style. And a chapter book, because I wanted a story to be, I didn't want a 10 page story. I wanted it to be so involved, a full plot, full character development, lots of detail. You know, I'm hoping someday this this book could. I think this book would make a wonderful animated film. That's something I would like to see happen in the future. So, bringing this all together, I definitely wanted the, the fuller size classical book. I wanted it to be a chapter book. Now, how do you combine that? That's that's a challenge. So, my thinking there was okay. Let's take this book and turn it into a combined piece of work. This is an excellent book for children who, and let's not say, let's not use negative language and say, oh, they're not ready for a chapter book. That's, That's not why I did it. I'm saying that there are so many children out there who get shut down in third grade because you take away the illustrations right away, just cold. They go from second to third cold, no illustrations. Give them a chapter book, plain text, maybe some black and white illustrations. That's it. And I, I, I just disturbed me that publishing companies did that to children. And the publishing companies did that because their argument is that, well, children are mature now. They don't want to see illustrations anymore. That's why we're putting these books out with a lot of text and maybe some illustrations, black and white, and most of the time, no illustrations because they're mature now. They don't want that. That is not true. The reason the publishing companies did that is because they don't want to pay for it. They don't want to pay for the print color anymore. They're trying to save money. And that's all it was about. And it's brutally unfair. You often see a lull in the reading levels. Children often from second to third grade, they struggle, they drop. Because they pull the visual tool from them. So my goal was to keep the visuals there because children love them. This is for children who who really want to still have those illustrations. It does provide visual aid for the children who may need it, and they still will enjoy a chapter book. So the bridge books are so important. Children do want them. When I put this book in front of fourth and fifth graders, even sixth graders, they loved it. It's oh, not yeah. true that children don't want illustrations at age second, at third and fourth grade. That is just an absolute false statement. Yeah, no, so I, I, I agree. I agree with you. I I can't agree with you more about the about the picture books and the illustration. I mean, my daughter's in fifth grade and we still read picture books. I mean, she reads chapter books. I read chapter books to my kids, but, um, but I still read picture books because there are some picture books that are really complex. And I, I mean, as an adult, I love picture books. I never stop loving picture books. So I just, you know, and also I, you know, I wrote children's books too, picture books. And I can't agree more about the illustrations because, you know, I, I just think they're all different in their own ways. And I think what's nice, what I'm seeing now more in schools 
is that teachers are combining. They're not just using chapter books. They're using graphic novels. They're using, um, you know, books with more pictures or making more visuals because, you know, you really need a combination of different text to teach kids because everyone learns in different ways. Some kids are visual learners. Some kids are audio learners. Um, and we all learn in different ways. And so <clears throat> I found being a visual learner, <clears throat> sorry, I just love the pictures. It just brings the whole book to life, I think. And so I, 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 but I agree. I think third grade is really tough for kids with reading because if you have any sort of reading delay, you have any sort of like reading disability, it does jump from pictures to no pictures. And that's really hard. And the other thing too, is that, you know, we need to be creative in how we combine, combine different reading materials that we could read chapter books right? Um, but I love your idea about the bridge book because I, I totally, I couldn't agree more about adding the illustrations, making it visual. And, you know, just, I don't know. I, I find like your illustrations too are really interesting. So I was also wondering, cause I know that you work with an illustrator, but you, did any of the children inspire your illustrations at all? Oh, absolutely. If you go on the website, take a look at some of the Take a look at some of the book covers they did. I mean, it's just amazing. The, the, this rain, the one rainforest illustration, I showed that to the illustrator. I said, take a look at that. And then the one illustration of me was just hilarious. I just thought that, that one little Miss Loves Paradise and she's got me standing there holding that basket. You know, she just made me look so humble. And, and I said to my illustrator, you know, that's the personality I want from my character if, if I'm there. I, absolutely. The children created this book. We just took it to a level where I had to create a story that was my own based off of their conceptual ideas so that I was not stealing from them, which is completely wrong. So, yeah, I mean, this whole it, listen, without the children, without the children during that year of my teaching, this book wouldn't be here. And I just want to reiterate when you were talking about the illustrations, what's amazing about an, an illustration is that not only does it help you understand the story, it inspires the mind, the intellect, your cognitive processes to happen. When you see a picture, a photograph of anything that's connected to a story, you begin to think on different levels. One thought will take you to another, will take you to another will take you to another. It's a climbing that will not happen without the illustration. And, you know, when you're reading text alone, you're reading the text and maybe some thoughts will come to you as you're reading the text. You might be able to read between the lines and, and some other thoughts may come to you, but your mind will explode. Your thinking process will just go off the charts when you have illustrations on a level that's in this book. Because you can almost imagine a whole different scene. Okay, it almost inspires, you can almost read that book and those illustrations will inspire a whole different, oh, well, if I was there, I'd love to see this happen because you get a whole new idea looking at the illustrations. So the publishing industry did not do children any justice by what they did. It, they, they are not helping children to expand the mind by what they, they did. So it's important to me and I'm just absolutely elated that I found a publishing company, Book Baby, who was willing to take it on because they completely agree with my point of view in this matter, that we need to help children continue to learn, not shut them down. 
And what is the best way? So I, you know, what is the best way for parents who are listening to read this book to their, to their child? Do you think that it's better to be read over time or chapter by chapter or well, part I, I would reading? Let, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it also depends on this book is, you know, anywhere from a, if the second grader is a strong reader, yes, but I would recommend third through fifth, possibly even sixth. And it's tough because I get adults who love this book, <laughs> who actually read it on their own. But my recommendation there was if it's a parent with their child, do a picture read first. Open up the book and let them just talk about everything they're seeing visually. You know, make a lot of predictions. You know, look at these characters. What do you think their personality is like? You know, just do a picture walk. What do you think is happening? And talk about it. And I definitely recommend chapter by chapter each night together. But definitely the illustrations first. And then, and then what's great about that is, you know, the child can come up with their own story based off those illustrations when they're done reading it. Okay, here's what happened on Miss Love's book and Miss Love's Mystical Island Adventure. Here's what happened in this book. Now, based off these illustrations, I'm writing my own chapter book. You know, children, can, and even it doesn't even have to be a chapter book. They can write their own little mini books from it. And then there you go. They go off with their own little series. So that's what chap, that's what bridge books allow a child to do. And then from there, with their own little writings, their parents can help them work with their writing. See what I'm saying? This is a tool to help children go forward, not to just read a book, love it, and put it down and, and, and move on to the next great book. This bridge book is designed to engage them, to engage them in an educational process that they'll benefit from. Do you follow me? Yeah, no, I definitely follow you because, I mean, books are so much a part of my life. I mean, just reading with the children, you know, reading with my own children um, and also just working with children every day in schools. It's just, I, I mean, I, I love I love your perspective and I love how you took, you know, you worked with the kids in your class and you create these characters and it's just really, really interesting. That's what I love about podcasts actually and talking to the author because it's when, you know, when you read a book and it's, you know, you really get the idea. I read your story. I went to your website, but talking to you brings it to a whole other level. And I think anyone who's listening is going to really appreciate the story even more after listening to you talk because it's, it's really inspiring. And I, and I can't even imagine what it's like for the kids because I, I know what it's like working in classrooms. You know, I know what it's like working in schools. I understand the challenges because I've worked in a lot, a lot of different schools where limited resources, um, challenging situations at home, different difficulties. Um, and also, you know, I work with a lot of kids with any sort of like language and, and learning disabilities and delays. So, you know, sometimes the challenge of reading is also really hard. So I think your idea of having the illustrations, reading each chapter aloud um, is so great for parents, but also for teachers, you know, you know, teachers could take your idea and they could read each chapter and they could, you know, let their children be inspired by, you know, writing their own stories. And that's exactly what I wanted to see happen. A colleague of mine, when the book came out, you know, she had a first grade classroom. Now, these children were really little. And of course, they couldn't read it. But they did exactly what I wanted to see happen. They took that book, went over to the center, and then they just start talking their own story. Oh, he's in the dune buggy. He's on his way to the villa. And when he gets there, 
This is going to happen. He's going to meet somebody and they're going to help him find the treasure. They're going to get together, find a map. And and there you go. They just had their own little thing going on. But what does that do? That's improving a child's oral oral language acquisition skills. They're learning how to communicate with each other in the classroom. Teachers need to stop telling children to be quiet. That that is not helping them. You know, you need to provide them with these opportunities to express themselves appropriately. You know, so and that's one of the ways it happens. And, you know, when the teacher came back to me and told me what happened, I was just I just felt like, you know, I didn't just write a book. I'm putting something out there that helps them grow, helps their minds develop. So that's what I want to see happen. And it's just amazing that it wouldn't have happened hadn't been for these precious children that I was teaching years ago. So we, we cannot undermine children. You cannot underestimate their capabilities. Give them a chance to talk to you. Give them a chance to share their ideas. Just listen. Stop talking to them. Just listen. And when they, when they open up to you, they're going to they're gonna inspire you to be a better teacher. They'll inspire you to go find a new way. So, and, and to think it all happened in the city of Philadelphia, and we have been beat down so many times, it's, it's just it's terrible. It's, it's wonderful to talk about how this took place in a city that has had low expectations. People have had low expectations of us for so long. It's, it's, a, it's wonderful to talk about it happened here. Yes, it happened here in Philadelphia. Now, if we could make this happen here in Philadelphia in a city classroom, you know, perhaps another city classroom will listen and take a different approach. Yeah. And I just, I love your idea also when I always talk about just the children I work with, because I work with children who are nonverbal or minimally verbal, or they have trouble communicating. And, you know, what I always talk about just in my other podcasts and on my blog is that, you know, people just assume that they don't, that their cognition is at a certain level because they can't communicate. And what I always say to people and what the kids surprise me, I mean, not even surprise me because I expect it when I work with them every single day is that, if you believe in them, they will show you. And that's like with, I would always say to any, to any children, whether you have any sort of delay or whether you have, or for any, for any child or even any adult, if you, if it's also, it's what you expect. And it's also, you have to empower the children. You have to have confidence in them. And that's what I tell them every day is that I know you could do this. I know you could do it. Actually, it just happened yesterday. One of my sessions, you know, I was working with one of my kids on, I don't know, like a literacy task and he wasn't, he, I don't think he really was paying attention that much, but I said to him, I said, I know that you could do this. And he went and he did it. And I was like, I knew you could do it. So it's about having the confidence in the kids, listening to them, going into their world and telling them that you believe in them and that, you know, they have great ideas. It's not about test scores. It's not about you know, anything, I think, you know, I mean, I don't test well at all. Um, so it, it's, it's about what you believe in them and, and empowering them. And I think that for the kids that you worked with, empowering them to write their own stories and maybe be their own author, they could do whatever they want in their life. If they believe in themselves and they could do whatever they want. So it's, it's just wonderful. So I, you know, I really appreciate you being here today and talking about it. Cause I think it's not only important for parents, but it's also important for teachers, what you're talking about, because 
you know, the, the children spend so much, so long in the classroom every day. And it means so much for them to have a teacher that believes in them. Because for any child, if you have a teacher that doesn't believe in them, they're not going to show their best and they're not going to feel confident and they're going to feel bad about themselves and they're not going to show their best work because they feel the teacher doesn't expect it from them. But if we expect, but if we empower them and we, and we, we let and we want them to feel safe in expressing their ideas, then it's amazing what they're going to be able to show us. I couldn't agree more. We're definitely on the same page with that. So is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we, before we end? Well, what I would like to say, Becca, to you personally, is that I just want to thank you so much for taking interest in my work, taking interest in my life story. It has been a, a difficult time for me. My childhood was not easy, as you know. And I just want you to know and everyone who's listening that you've been a part of the healing process for me because when people respond to my PR team and take interest in my life and take interest in my work, I feel like a lot of the lost care in my life, it comes back to me. So you're just someone who has been part of this healing for me. It just makes me feel like the past was worth it to come to this place where people now are listening to my story, listening to what happened in my life, appreciating my work. You're making me feel like I'm somebody because I grew up with, I know how these children feel. I know how the foster children feel. I know how the inner child feels. They feel worthless. And now all these years later, someone like you is listening and you're showing me that all the people from the past who put me down, they were wrong. So I just want to thank you so much for your time today. It's very meaningful to me. Oh, well, thank you. It's meaningful to me. And now every time I look at your book, I'm going to remember, you know, you and our conversation. And it's, that's why I have so many books in my house, because whenever I connect with the author, which I connect with a lot of authors, I just, I find it so inspiring and so special, you know, because I love, I mean, I love children's books, but I I love hearing the story behind. I think you have such an interesting story and it's very inspiring. And I just love your how it was created in the classroom because I mean, I know what it's like. So I, I understand. And I just really respect that you kind of going really going outside the box and trying to get into their world and really connecting with them in that way, inspiring the kids because it's, it's just, it's wonderful. So thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime and definitely check out Susan's website again, Miss Loves Mystical Island.com. 